Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Oh, I heard we scored some tutties this weekend. Hummer always pays his debt. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Hummer just started shotgun number one of a delicious, <sighs> smooth Cincy Light by Rheingeist and Cincy Reigns. My wife is going to kill me at some point. How much beer I spit on this couch? One shotgun per touchdown was the deal in the Discord. So I ask you again, Hummer. How's it going, buddy? All right, look. I, last week... On the, on the pod, maybe like four days ago. So maybe it's still as technically last week. Um, maybe mention that I, that if, if, if Saddy Daddy pulled off the victory in Pittsburgh, that I would uh, renounce, you know, my hatred towards him. But you know what? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to renounce my hatred. I'm going to say it's a, it's a mild, it's a mild, um, <laughs> still need the jury is out right um i'm happy that we won um i don't understand why we're on the cw so i hope you can elaborate on more of why we had to play on a what used to be a i remember growing up as how you watch chicago cubs games in cincinnati ohio if you were a cubs fan for some reason and you wanted to watch cubs games you you went to the cw but no look we won and i said for every touchdown we scored if daddy daddy pulled it out that I would chug a delicious, delicious Cincy Light. Insert ad for Cincy Light, Cincy Rains, delicious beer, support your Bearcats, support the NIL, drink national championships. It's a great fucking day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed it is, buddy. Indeed it is. We gotta keep that explicit rating on Apple, so there we go. We do our best. So one shotgun down, one smooth scintillate down, two more to go. And I will summon the next shotgun as is expected. Sometime as we transition from one topic to another, I I want the power to just summon the shotgun. And you have to stop whatever your thought is at that specific moment and proceed to chug a beer, just as you did to open the podcast. I'd recommend checking out our YouTube page. Uh, Cat Skeller Social Club. You can find our videos there. You can find Go Beer Cats videos there. I think I need to continue to put pressure on Viva the Cats. I thought they were part of the Cat Skeller Social Club. They don't put their videos there. But that's where you can find Hummer Shotgunning. Not one, not two, but three. Since you like loggers during the duration of this podcast. Hummer, you used the word hatred when it came to Scott Satterfield. And frankly, I think that's a new... That's a new descriptor. I didn't think you were a fool of hatred. I mean, as I'm my mom would say when I was a kid, that's a strong word. I thought it you were more indifferent. Word. I thought you were more unimpressed. I meh. thought you were more meh. We'll stick with the word meh. I thought this weekend was fun. I thought the game, listening to it, watching it through Gamecast, because uh, like I said, the CW presented challenges uh, for watching from afar. Um, it was entertaining. It was... They had their challenges. 
for me, the meh factor comes to comes down to it's just worth the, the the buzz around the program, the excitement. It's just it's us us here in Cincinnati. We know what's up. It's exciting. It's fun. But like I was watching the final, uh, the college football finale or whatever, and where was UC? Where were we? No one cared. No one cared. They cared about Baylor. They cared about Texas Tech. They cared about freaking Appalachia State pulling up. No one cared about the University of Cincinnati, and no one else cared enough to put us on a real TV network that could actually have been accessed through the internet <laughs> that we put on the CW, where you have to have basically a cable subscription or a freaking antenna, right? If you're on a, a thing where you need an ante antenna television used to be good back in the day because it meant that everybody's going to get you. Nowadays, no one has antennas. Your phone cannot get an antenna signal. It's so advanced that it cannot actually get an analog television signal. You have That's where the Bearcats were, in the analog airwaves this weekend. The rage that is gurgling within your belly right now, I feel like is misdirected at Scott Satterfield. I feel like is misdirected at UC football. The mm -hmm. CW deal, the reason CW is showing this game is because of... Explain to me. Is because of the failure of a conference that is the ACC. They signed a deal with CW Network to show some of their college football games. And frankly, I couldn't help but think about Sebastian Maniscalco. Every single time an ACC football commercial showed on, on CW Network, aren't you embarrassed? Aren't you embarrassed to be showing your football games on this network? This isn't a UC problem. It's not a Scott Satterfield problem. It's an ACC problem. We were playing on the road, ACC opponent, and, and because of that, we had to, to tune into an obscure network that I typically associate with some sort of, uh, like, Gilmore Girls. or I don't know, I don't know the Gilmore Girls felt, found themselves on that channel even, but Riverside, you know, some like, completely obscure show watched only by emo 13-year-olds. I think that's fair. I actually think you're fair with that that assessment that my, my anger right now is unfairly being directed towards Sadie Daddy and, and the Bearcats in general. But even from it a was, buzz standpoint, shouldn't you be directing that toward the media and their level of disrespect they've shown towards Satterfield? Because there was a dismissiveness from the national media when it came to the Scott Satterfield hire. No matter where you went, what you would hear was Satterfield, not a great hire. Louisville. Upgraded with Brom. You hear about all these other coaching hires that are great. Wisconsin getting raved about for hiring Luke Fickle. You see, eh, this fit doesn't make much sense. Yet here we are. You're saying there's no buzz around the program. Here we are. Scott Satterfield objectively had a very good performance in showing in the transfer portal. He's hit the ground running and had momentum from the get go in recruiting. And now we're playing real football games. He's 2 0 on the football field. Yet you are you convinced yourself there's no buzz. I've convinced myself there there's no buzz. Uh, it's fine. You know what? Maybe maybe I'm becoming one of these. Maybe I'm full of myself here. I'm becoming an old media head because I'm always moving the goalpost. <laughs> it was last week if we beat Pittsburgh, I'm a believer. Now it's oh you know what? Next we've got Miami. That 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 should be a shoe in for a W. Even though probably three weeks four weeks ago I was even nervous that we would. 
at, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say. Saddy Daddy now has me at least believing this. There is no way in hell we lose next week to Miami. He does have me believing that. I was skeptical about four weeks ago on a podcast, I think, when we did the, the round table that we would even beat Miami. He has me believing we're going to beat Miami. We're going to be 3-0 going into Oklahoma. And so, like the traditional media, I'm going to move the goalpost for success. Go to Oklahoma and show me what you have. Show me what you're going to do against what someone might typically call a blue blood in college football. Oklahoma is definitely a blue blood. And they're coming to UC. And in fact, they're you're coming, coming to UC for the Oklahoma. Hear, uh, is the rumor true? Has anybody noticed yet? Like, I heard it's the big noon kickoff. We're trying to find a time for the game. and There's mostly, mostly speculation at this point. But I will say, before we move on to the actual game, you are bringing the same energy to the CW network, to UC football, to college football in general, that my dad has. When he sent me the text, the UC on CW thing is so bogus. College football can blow me. That's about the same thing. <laughs> That's about the same thing you're saying. So uh, kudos kind to both of like, you. It's just it was weird. Like I'm not trying to like take this away from like the, the conversation away from UC athletics here for a second, but I remember with back when with all the rumors with the Pac-12 before they actually imploded. They're like, oh, they're going to get a deal with the CW, and everybody's like cool so like you just don't want anybody to watch your games like cool um the weird part is though the cw ended up being it, it was broadcast actually in new york so it was it actually for as bad as it was it was a nationally televised game just on like your local news station depending on where you were so you had to go and look up what the cw affiliate was and so that's ended up what i ended up doing and it was like wpix here in new york i have no idea what that actually was. So I then I had to go and figure out which station it is, which streaming service had it and then go. So I was able to watch like a few minutes of it, but not a whole lot. I caught the flea flicker uh, play early on in the game. And I caught the Corey Kiner touchdown. It's unfortunate that you weren't able to see more of it because frankly, for three quarters, the Bearcats absolutely dominated Pittsburgh on their home field on Akersher at Akersher stadium. Bearcats go on to win this game. Pittsburgh doesn't have a home. It it was a 27-21 victory at Pittsburgh. Um, Always fun to beat that school. Always fun to see their fan base in a tizzy about their inability to beat a team. As many of their fans put it, that played a quarterback that couldn't throw more than 10 yards down the field. I do think Pittsburgh played... Quite where'd you well. get that one from? Like, so where'd you get the fan their their fan base from? Were you snooping their boards this time around? <laughs> Usually, that's my job. I'm not a board snooper. I'm not a board snooper, but I saw enough uh, dismissive retweets from Bearcat fans across X that led me to believe Pittsburgh. Dude, call it Twitter, man. Don't call it X. The fan base was unhappy. As, as Bearcat fans, we can't call it X. <laughs> calling it X. It's called can't X. Call it X, man. Yep. Elon calls it X. I'm calling it X. Can we call it eggs? Three quarters in, the Bearcats looked like a juggernaut. It looked like it looked like we might as well have been playing EKU again. An EKU team, which by the way, took Kentucky to the wire. Nearly I saw you were the sending upset. that to me. You were sending me the eyes the whole time. You're just like eyes emoji, man. Dude, EKU wasn't that bad. EKU Big. wasn't that bad. Big eyes emoji energy on that Kentucky versus EKU game. Um, 
it certainly makes UC look, puts them in a more favorable light. I would say we probably shouldn't measure ourselves against Kentucky. Historically, this is a team that is uh, much overhyped. And yes, we've had some recruiting bat- battles. Yes, we're in the same region. But if you take yourself seriously as a college football prospect, as a top flight high school college football player, Kentucky is not where you take your talents, especially with, with UC now in the Big 12. You take your talents to UC. Way better player development. Um Way better city, way better campus, just way better overall situation. Bring your talents to Clifton. It is a it is a preferred destination from a on the field and off the field standpoint. All right, so I'm looking at. I see the. I don't know if the coaches poll is new, uh, but for the week three college football rankings, Cincinnati. If these are both both new. We have votes in both polls this week. Yes. But we're not buzzing. But we're not buzzing. Not buzzing yet. I need you to shotgun another beer. Oh, damn. Not not buzzing. Shotgun another beer. Oh, shit. (laughs) Bearcats scored their first touchdown in four plays. 64 yards. A minute and 24 off the clock to go up 7 nothing. After forcing a three and out for zero yards on Pittsburgh. My super expensive computer is now covered in beer. Well done. I'm getting slow. Shotgunner. That's pretty slow. That's pretty slow. You can do better. For your third, I want it to be much smoother, less of a mess. Don't waste those droplets of that since I'm covered in beer. My couch is covered in beer. My super expensive computer, not super expensive, but my work computer is covered in beer. It's all right, guys. It was good. Um, Let that digest. Let that digest for a second. I actually want to talk about what's actually happened in the game. You told me you've seen about four plays total. Yeah, tell me what happened. Tell me what you thought. Let's go through this. Tell me why I should be excited about next week. I I don't want to get into next week. I want to talk about the Bearcats just winning their second game of the season, beating Pittsburgh on the road. What did you see this week? And the style of play in this game was significantly different from what you saw against EKU, which in some ways is – it didn't bring me joy because EKU, what you saw, you saw deep passes. You got, you saw Xavier Henderson running you open downfield, Wiggins running open downfield, Braden Smith getting behind the defense. The ball was being spread all over the field. Emory Jones looked like the second coming of Caleb Williams. It was an it was an otherworldly performance, but it was against subpar competition. What we saw against Pitt, Pittsburgh was a return to reality of sorts. Our receivers did get less separation consistently than they did against Eastern Kentucky. Um, Xavier Henderson, for example, one catch for 10 yards in this game. He looked like a first-round draft pick in week one. That's not to say he's not going to be better in future weeks. Part of this has less to do with receivers themselves. The offensive line, I think, showed, showed some weaknesses during this game. Emory Jones had less time. Why am I harping on the negatives when Corey Kiner went 20 carries for 153 yards in a touch, including another 68-yard scamper? Didn't get all the way to the end zone, but a 68-yard scamper nonetheless. 
Scott Satterfield's running scheme, there is something to this. I mean, there is something to the holes they create. Kiner has found an incredible comfort zone. We thought this was going to be a running back by committee situation coming into the season with Kiner and then Miles Montgomery. Montgomery now, you have to realize, is the offseason guy that just looks incredible in a football uniform. He's got some speed, some explosiveness, cut. Just a guy that you just – he looks like you would imagine a running back to look, but he's clearly not always as good as the running backs ahead of him, as we saw with Kiner out carrying him 20-3 to in this game. So, to me, story of the game, Corey Kiner. How big are his calves? That's that's the question that that gets you going. How, how what do you think about those calves? Nice calves, very nice calves. I mean, I love what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying. Uh, is the is the is the Xavier situation? Do you think the tape was out after week one? I don't know. I, I would love to know what – was it a scheme? They scheme against him? Was it just that – was it a – he's a hoss of an athlete versus EKU? Because we had other receivers who, who found success this game that had, had success. So I'm curious maybe if that, that was a reason that we saw him drop off in week two. But, yeah, I mean, it was it – was, it seemed to be pretty much a control of the clock, run the ball, shove it down their throats, stop the run. You're going to beat us top the run. To me, my read was that Satterfield and, and the coaching staff realized pretty quickly that Emory wasn't going to have time to drop back and wait for guys to break open down the field. And this isn't a receiving group like Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott that have, you know, top end, top 1% speed. That's not what most of these guys are. I would say Xavier Henderson is, is big physical, can make catches in traffic. He's got some speed, but it's not like the, it's not Trey Tucker. It's not Tyler Scott. And Pittsburgh's front seven was breaking us down a bit on the, on the offensive line. You saw them get six tackles for loss, two sacks. It just seemed like Emery was a little less comfortable back there. And one thing I did notice about Emery Jones in this game, now having a sample size of two games to actually watch him in bowl, when he tucks the ball, he's running. He's not tucking it and then finding more time to look downfield again and maybe find an open receiver downfield. Once he tucks the ball, he's running the ball. It's probably a weakness in this game. Um, it would be nice, given his athleticism, if he would be willing to use the legs to extend plays to then find open players downfield because those are guys, Braden Smith, Henderson, Wiggins. Like We have the guys downfield who could find space for an open pass, but – Emory Jones is decisive with the football, that when it's being tucked, he's running. For better for better or worse in the red zone, it's, it's an advantage. In regular play, he's not going to find a chance. He's not going to ever look at, look downfield and find an open man. It, maybe I'm proven wrong, but that's what I've seen so far. You don't speak, you're begging me to ask for another Another no, no, uh, shotgun. No, this this is for the end. This one's for the end. Not if you don't speak. I, mean, what, right? what, I, I got my thoughts on the football program are, are pretty muted right now. It's just like I'm 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 happy we're winning. I want to keep seeing us win. I want to see us go to Miami, and I'm, honestly, I just want to see us play. I'm excited for the Big Twelve. I want to get into league play. I want us to play better competition. EKU is crap. Pittsburgh's at the, a cellar dweller of 
of the ACC, even when they had Kenny Pickett, like it was a it was a shit conference. Not 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 excited about Pitt. I'm glad we beat a Power Five team because it feels like forever since we've done done that. To be honest, Miami's coming up, and I'm not to look ahead, but I just I want to see a circuit into Big Twelve play. I want to see what we're gonna do against our peers, our actual peers. We are better than Pitt in every facet of college. We're a better town. We're a better school. We're a better football team. Their basketball team can go to hell. Fuck them. On to the next. You see, I'm, I'm looking, I'm refreshing my memory here on the schedule from last season. You see beat Indiana, a power five team, a big 10 team, 45 to 24 last season, less than 12 months ago. It was on September 24th, 2022. Wow, we were so excited about that in Indiana turned out to be what they always are in football, which is frauds. I think the fact that you didn't get to watch this game, you did miss an opportunity to see the quarterback I did. version. I did well, hang on. You you got a chance to miss seeing the quarterback version of Philip Seymour Hoffman in a long game poly. Rain man. <laughs> Rainmaker. <laughs> This guy, this guy, Phil Jerkovich. Jerkovic? You'd think after listening (laughs) to the announcers for the whole game, I'd know how to say it. But he was one of the most erratic quarterbacks I can remember watching. He finished 10 of 32, 179 yards. No interceptions somehow. No interceptions. Clearly uh, saying his prayers at night. He did throw three touchdowns as well, which 10 completions, three touchdowns. Despite holding him to 10 for 32, I would say Jerkovic revealed to me that our secondary is the weak point defensively. Our defensive front dominated this game. They were pressuring the quarterback consistently. They were getting in the backfield and meeting the the Pittsburgh running backs behind the line in scrimmage regularly. They averaged 2.9 yards a carry in this game, 29 carries for 83 total yards. They were absolutely destroying Pittsburgh's offense, Pittsburgh's plan of attack. Yet, we found ourselves in a situation in the fourth quarter where we needed a stop to seal the game. Like our, our This game was somehow still in jeopardy, despite the fact we were going up against you know, a, a bottom five accuracy quarterback in college football, despite the fact that uh, you know, our guys had five sacks, eight tackles for loss, however many missed holding calls. And it's really because our secondary does leave much to be desired. Or at least in this game, that was that's an area where if you have a, a an average replacement quarterback in there, Pittsburgh's in a much better shape. And, and honestly, Cincinnati might be in trouble in this game. Because I, I do think that Jerkovic should have been picked off like three times in this game. There should have not Let been three have. touchdowns and ten completions. Like this is, this was a horrible, horrible quarterback, and it's not hard to envision Big Twelve play bringing better quarterback accuracy and therefore more compromised uh, Bearcat defense. Though, with that said, our defensive line does—they do exactly what you'd want them to do for a weak secondary. So let me ask you a question: After week two, are you neutral? Are you selling? 
or are you buying the 2023 edition of the Cincinnati Bearcats football team? After two weeks, I would say I do not, I still do not see this team blowing our over under out of the water. I was the only person on our on our preseason show with Viva and Go Bearcats to take the under. So all of you guys, I guess, saw the the overcoming. You saw six wins coming with ease. What I did I not would, say with ease. I think that we're going to play a lot of games like we just saw against Pitt. The Big Twelve okay. Conference to me seems pretty mediocre overall. We're not going to play Texas, and I don't think we're playing Kansas State either. Everybody else that I've seen uh, in clips of their games, box scores, watching snippets here and there, this conference doesn't blow me out of the water. And I think every game could be an absolute battle. And if you have a defense or a defensive front like we do, a front seven that can wreak havoc, that in itself can win you games. But it has to be met with with better play in the secondary. Otherwise, it's it's going to be too big of a liability based on what we saw against Pittsburgh. So you're a hold. You're a hold. I'm holding. I'm holding where I'm at for now. I would say it seems more likely than not that we we probably have a good chance of going over at this point. We need four wins in ten games, but going forward after the Miami game, things get a much a lot tougher. Um, Houston looks like an abject disaster. That's got that's looking more and more like a surefire victory at this point. So honestly, talking through it with you, looking at the schedule with you, I do think that. Over seems much more likely at this point. And so I would say the Bearcats have come out and they're performing at a higher level than I would have expected to start the season. I thought there were so, – in in the reporting from Justin Williams, in the makeup of the roster, I, I'm talking myself into buying. You're buying. You're buying. I think I'm buying. I'm a hold. I'm I think a hold. I'm buying. I'm a hold all day. You're a buy. I get it. I like it. I mean, just look at the look at the – Look at the schedule. I think what's happened is the Big 12 is not impressing me nearly to the level that I thought it might. Um, Baylor already lost to Texas State. Oklahoma is scraping by against SMU. BYU's playing like 15 to 10 games. Whoa, 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 whoa. SMU is a strong power five team. Right there in a a power five conference. West Virginia is a shit show. I mean, there's... (laughs) There are victories on this on this schedule at this point, and honestly, it, you start the season out two and zero. Let's assume pencil in that victory against Miami. We start out three and zero. If we don't get to six victories, things have gone horribly wrong. So yeah, I'm absolutely buying, and I would say uh, right now actually, I'm probably eating start pro by taking the under at the beginning of the year. Here's my prediction. I even know I'm at the hold. We're going. We're going to start the season off four and zero. We're going to beat Oklahoma at Nipper. That stadium is going to be rocking. There's nothing more than Cincinnati fans love than a ranked team coming in through Nippert. It's going to be rocking. We're going to beat Oklahoma. We're going to avenge the loss that we had the last time they were here playing at Paul Brown Stadium. Your cousins are going to weep the sweet tears of the Ohio River. Right? They're going to drown in their sorrows in natty daddies. Right? They're just going to... I'm sorry, but their Oklahoma fans are going to go boomer crying. I don't what's what do they say the boomer sooner? I say boomer sooner. Yeah. Boomer boomers are crying right now, all right? Boomer sooner. <laughs> Folks don't know this. Folks don't know this, Hummer. There is a strong Oklahoma connection in my family. 
we do have a There's large a suitor contingent on the Coomer side of the family. And back when we traveled to Oklahoma, we actually went to the game. This is when the Semantics, who's been doing a weekly gambling post on CatSkellerSocial.club that you can check out. Formerly, formerly of the news record. Formerly of the news record. A former regular contributor on the podcast, um, most notably known for not using a mic and regularly checking in with the clouds. Sitting in his garage. Podcast. Sitting, in his, sitting in his garage. Yes, but he, he joined us uh, for a, an absolutely legendary performance. Uh, our friend of the podcast, Cameron Papp, joined us as well. The good times were rolling. And... Are you so, oh, you're talking about... The, I'm talking about being well, on was, the road in Norman. We were there. Oh, okay. You went you went to Norman. So I was thinking about when, when Oklahoma came here, Four Locos were still like a thing with the actual like... Four Locos, very much a thing. Also, that trip was Brandon essentially... Brandon brought that. He brought that super tight shirt on accident. And that's where the busted out became a thing. That was the trip when my cousin made us the Cincinnati hat, Cincinnati jersey shirts homemade, printed, and it was essentially the origin story of our intro song that do we, we have bring that, adopted. Do we, bring, do we bring those shirts back? Do we Do we start making those? We'll talk about it offline. I think probably copyright issues, but who cares? I got a question. If, if anybody can reach out to us, though, if you are listening, i actually been trying to talk, Give them away. talk us into getting the, getting the Catskeller Social Club t-shirts. And we've been kind of toying with the idea of of making making like a almost like the pride if you guys are familiar with the fcc pride i would check them out kevin wallace run, runs the pride but they do like a thing where it's like 20 bucks you join every Doesn't year you run the bucks pride? And you get Does a membership kevin wallace run the pride i think he, he has something to do with it but even if he doesn't kevin you're getting a shout out they do they give you a little membership card right you're a member of the pride but then they give you a a, a scarf right the soccer scarf so I've been I've been toying with the idea of starting the membership for the the Cascaler Social Club. Like you are a member of the social club, where maybe pay twenty and we give you the you get this the social T shirt right the nice logoed T shirt the membership card access to the members whatever it could be. But if you guys are listening, tell us what you think. If it's a good idea, what you would want to see in something like that. We've been toying with the idea of making something fun around that. Uh, just want to throw that out there. Shout out to uh, Catskiller Social Club member Viva La Cats. I did see a fun online clip they did. They ran the Bearcats schedule through the ESPN computer system, or I guess they were looking at the ESPN computer <laughs> predictor. No, they're not running anything. They're simply reading the screen. They went to a website and they read a screen, and it was ESPN's projections of what would happen for the rest of the season. I know what that record is, Summer. I don't think you do. This was done before the Pittsburgh game. So what I want to do, I want to take the schedule through the Hummer computer system. I'm going to read the schedule to you. You're going to read. You're going to tell me whether it's a win or a loss, and we're going to recalibrate what our expectations are for the Bearcats football team for the rest of 2023 as per the computer Hummer algorithm. Okay? Let's go. Miami, Ohio. Win. OU. Win. We're 4-0 right now. At BYU, Friday night. Loss. 4-1. Iowa State comes home. Win. 5-1. Baylor at Nippert. Loss. 5-2. and two. 
at home, Baylor. Okay, that's the only hey, one this year, baby. It's, it's a Hummer. It's the Hummer algorithm. At Oklahoma State, loss. Five and three. Home, UCF. Win. Six and three. At Houston. Win. Seven and three. At West Virginia. Win. Eight and three. Home, Kansas. Dude, this is where I'm crazy. I don't know why I think this, but win. We're only losing one at home this year, and we got two, two, two of those away games at Houston and West Virginia are completely winnable. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I think that over is – I'm still holding, but I this team can win nine games. I don't see why we can't. You holding would make sense because you took the over. Me buying would make sense because I, I took the under. But I would say ESPN is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on the technology to create that sort of prediction system. Their fancy computers came up with the exact same record that the Hummer algorithm came up with. So kudos to you. Nine and three – as for Humstradamus, as of September 10th, 2023. And just remember, though, if that comes true, we were all saying, like, a lot of people were saying, like, six wins is what we're happy with, right? Like, that that's a successful season. Uh, I think I've been holding our, our program to a higher caliber of definition of success, which is, you know, you, you got we got to win, man. We got to expect wins. That's what this – if you want to be a top 10 program, you have to think like a top 10 program, and six wins is not – what Alabama fans wake up to. That's not what Clemson fans wake up to, even though they're living in that reality here soon. <laughs> they, wake, they wake up in the morning, they piss excellence. But you, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's not what you think you, you gotta, you wake up and you just expect that you're going to have every season is going to be like, you just, you don't even think that being bowl, like, well, bill eligible. No, like you're just, that's, that's a given. Like, our yeah, schedule, we're going to go to a bowl. Our schedule is weak as shit. There's no it Texas, no have, Kansas State, Texas. no Texas Tech. Like we, we are dodging the three biggest bullets in the chamber that the Big 12 Conference has to offer. Honestly, when you look at the performance of these teams to start the year, you look at where Cincinnati is exceeding expectations to start the we year. Might if, yeah, if we, if there's my some expectations correct, now. If we actually, if my prediction comes true, we might actually find ourselves in the Big 12 championship game. That's only one loss in conference play. A little bit of Cincinnati versus Texas, Big Twelve championship I mean, game on the line. If if mine comes true, that is legitimately a one loss conference schedule. Could see you playing your way into the conference championship. You'll definitely be crowning Scott Satterfield's ass at that point. I'll be holding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Any final questions or comments on the, the performance against Pittsburgh? I'm trying to, you know, Braden Smith, it probably was worth mentioning, made the catch of the season. I, I'll i go out and stake the claim now. I that did see catch, that. That, was, that catch that was will not be topped by a Bearcat receiver or running back this season. That will be the best catch a Bearcat made this season. Mm, we got a lot of football to play. We do. That was just that was a hell of a catch. It was Willie Mays-esque. For all my young yeah, folks out there, not not trying to, to downplay it, but I think he can top it. He has some incredible skills, and I can't say that that's going to be his best ever. He's going to have better. So if we're going to, if I'm going to put a little synopsis on this, after watching Pittsburgh, after watching EKU, what I love, I love our defensive line. I love Corleone. I love Briggs. I love. 
the energy, the attitude that Pace and Jones are bringing to the table. I think our defensive front is outstanding and will win us games. I love what Corey Kiner is doing this season. He's running insanely hard. He's becoming a bit of a bell cow and is now in line to be another thousand yard runner for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I still love Xavier Henderson. I'm I'm still I'm buying that stock. Anyone selling after that one for ten performance against Pittsburgh, contact me. I will buy. <laughs> Things I don't love right now after two games. I don't love the secondary. The secondary has me a bit jittery after watching the worst quarterback in college football nearly bring them back in the fourth quarter and make it a far too stressful affair. I have concerns. I have concerns about Emory Jets. Okay. I, I'm not sure it's totally founded. The accuracy that we saw in game one was not there in game two. I mentioned it earlier is his inability to extend with his legs for throwing purposes worries me a bit. And it, he seemed a bit like a, a, a read, a one read and go kind of guy um, against Pittsburgh. So my, I'm not full selling on Emory Jones, but my my guards up a bit. I'm not sure what we saw against EKU is something that you would expect for the rest of the season. Not that you could ever expect, you know, damn near 400 yards passing and seven touchdowns. Just the the explosive nature of how he ran the offense in that game. I'm not sure that's coming back. We ready to switch gears? I'm ready to switch it. gears. Where are we? Are we? Are we going to a Cincy Light shotgun? Or are you going to cap off the podcast with that while I sing Cheers to Eddie and get redemption for how out we're of gonna, we're going to we're going to we're going to cap it off? But I actually want to I want to do two things first. Either either I'm going to let you choose which way we go because I got one more thing I would like to talk about in terms of like the college football landscape, or. I kind of want to go towards uh, some some UC hoops. What I think needs to be done first, and I, I appreciate you kind of reminding me of this. You text me some rules earlier today that need to be discussed because our fan base, we've gone through some traumatic times. Okay, we've we've been hurt, we've been abandoned, we might have. Um, we might have Saddy Daddy issues. Like we've got abandonment issues at this university amongst our fan base. And you sent me basically kind of like a, a how-to guide for who you can and who you cannot root for as a former Cincinnati Bearcat coach. I'll let you explain further. All right. Uh, this came about because I was thinking, you know, if I hate on Saddy Daddy, I don't hate Saddy Daddy, but if I, hate on Saddy Daddy. If I'm a hater, if you would, for long enough, it'll come full circle and eventually everybody will hate Saddy Daddy with me. Because no matter how good he does, there's always a bigger fish, right? So it came down to former coaches you're allowed to root for. And I was thinking, because I was, I found myself like, I went and Googled. I was like, all right, what did Wisconsin do this week? They lost. Yes. Everyone was injecting that into their veins. I still 
Everybody. I'll let you get into it, but everyone's injecting the Wisconsin. So I, I kind of I, I came up with a, a, a tier, a tiered system of like how I feel, how you, I think you should feel about UC coaches, former UC coaches. So former coaches, you're allowed to root for under any circumstances. These guys, you're allowed to root for. Huggins, Minter, Andy Kennedy. Those guys did nothing wrong for this program. They took us to the pinnacle. They left not only on their own terms. They were forced out. They did not leave us high and dry. They they wanted to be here. They were forced to leave, whether it was their mistakes or not. Coaches that hang on, was, hang on. We have to. You have to give me some chances to like push back and question these a little bit. Let me finish the list and then to then say you go that we can what? just root for Bob me, Huggins right now seems a bit problematic. Let me, let me finish the list and then you go through. Okay. Let me finish the list and then you could you can critique it. Coaches, it was maybe okay to root for, but you're not really sure. Mick Cronin, Mark Dan Antonio. Coaches that abandoned the university at a time where sustained success meant a statue and immortality. Therefore, you are scum, and I could never root for you. Brian Kelly, Luke Fickle. <laughs> Coaches who's pit, who picked up the scraps of a successful coach before them and did nothing with them. Butch Jones. Tommy shit for brains Tuberville. Is that like the you don't even want to root for them category? Like there's just nobody who actually yeah. wants to root for them because it was such an abject failure. Such an abject failure. Butch Jones coasted on the coattails of Brian Kelly and did nothing with them, which is shame, shame on him. I think that's a pretty good list, but yes, let me hear your critiques. So coaches you're allowed to root for, the premise there is that these guys would have been Bearcat lifers had we let them. They they not, weren't necessarily all, all-time successful, though, because Rick Minter was not yeah. like an all-time success. He was just – he did what he did. He got us there, and he he's, basically he was replaced by Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, when I look at Minter and I look at Andy Kennedy, it's almost like – it's like a pat on the back, like, hey, your tenure was cute. Like, we, we enjoyed exactly. it. It was cute. We, we enjoyed ourselves. Huggins has a lot more baggage to it. And oh, sure, for sure. I would say, like, rooting for Huggins and being strongly in Huggins' camp right now is a tough place to be. When you look it's a at tough place suing to be. your – I mean, like, there's a lot going on there with the Huggins situation. Look, I'm not rooting for him as a coach anymore. I'm rooting for him as a person. Get back up on the saddle, dude. Get, get your shit together. I'm rooting for you Huggins know? less because so as a coach. I'm rooting for you to fucking don't end up dead. Don't get it don't together, son. Like yeah, get, it, get together it together and stay alive. All right. But even even at West Virginia, I was always like, I didn't see Bob Huggins win at West Virginia and sit say to myself, God, I wish that guy would just lose. Like I genuinely enjoyed watching Bob Huggins if he found success. Him going to the Final Four with West Virginia, yes. Am I jealous that it wasn't us? Sure. But I wasn't abjectly being like, oh, we're like, Brian Kelly, if he made the college football playoff, I was rooting for abject embarrassment. Like, lose 50 to nothing. Every week Brian Kelly took the field, lose, you little freaking Irish prick. Like, Let me ask just you this. couldn't stand the man. Why are Cronin and D'Antonio getting the benefit of the doubt of this? Hey, we're not really sure. It might be okay to root for you. We don't know. When they Cronin, also abandoned was the University so good. of Cincinnati. And Cronin was winning at a clip that would have, you know, in theory, I think he openly talked about the idea that a court would be named after him 
had he stayed at Cincinnati for a longer period of time. So Cronin is is that he's that figure where because he was good, right? As from a coaching perspective for us, he got to, to, to got us to the tournament every year. But it was to a point where the fan base just wasn't really ever a hundred percent behind him, right? It wasn't like it was. I want to say they were in my where I was sad with Matt. It was just like they were still just so salty. He was just so under the shadow of Huggins that you're like, you're kind of not sure what you want for him because it's like, oh, I would still like him. But, oh, at the same time, we said we were happy when he left. We did a podcast where we said we were excited about the next chapter after Cronin. We said that on a pod together. And so at that point where it's like we as a fan base were kind of ready to move on after the Nevada disaster, after the following year of, of the of the bounce out early in the tournament. We were, so it's like I'm not – sure how to feel about him because it's a love hate relationship with him where he was so good for the program but at the same time he never got the results that we expected or wanted from him so that's where i say it's conflicting of where i'm just maybe it's okay to root for him maybe it's okay to say you know what i hope he does well at ucla because we actually said goodbye to him by not giving what he wanted from a contract extension standpoint I have two more gripes or questions or, or things to probe on with this list. The first one is Luke Fickle. I think the fact that he, he burned bridges, the fact he is being grouped and lumped with Brian Kelly after during our college football playoff run, he did the exact opposite as Brian Kelly. No which was clearly the job this man was was pining for, came open while the Bearcats made their run to the college football playoff. And rather than legitimately go for that job and leave the Bearcats at the climax of their football history, he stayed through that year, through that season, and coached one of the most cowardly games we've ever seen against Alabama. Can I ask you a question? He then coached a whole other season, and and some would argue he checked out during that season, and then out of were you, know, you essentially did, a what did you remorse, do? What did you do this weekend? He essentially had remorse for not going to Notre Dame and took a lesser job and would have taken an even lesser job in Nebraska. He ends up at Wisconsin. That man would have left was, for Nebraska. That's fine. What was your emotion this weekend when you saw the score against Washington State? Were I'm you not excited? Actively, I'm not actually were you rooting that against he lost? Luke Were you excited to see Wisconsin lose, or I'm were you not, just meh? The way I root against Brian Kelly is in a completely different stratosphere than they how I feel are, toward Luke Fickle. Like I Kelly am not is, following Wisconsin football like that. Brian I am not Kelly, actively rooting against Luke Fickle. Brian Kelly is above Luke Fickle on this list, but the minute, minute that Luke Fickle goes on and says that we have shitty Catholic schools – and puts up billboards in our state. Fuck that man. Fuck him. The way he left he us. He says we have shitty talking. Catholic schools. Yeah. Oh. When? Uh, maybe it's where? Maybe it's fake. Maybe it's it. fake news. I don't really care. Get off I'm the blogs. It. Get off the boards. Get off. It's poison. the weed. <laughs> Hummer. Look, it success. doesn't matter to me. I looked up the score this weekend. For for me, this is my list. I went. And looked up the score of Wisconsin, and when I saw they lost, I got a little bit of like, "Good, you can't win there either, prick," because that's the whole thing. Is he didn't feel like either. He, could win, he won here. 
That's the thing, That's man. my whole point. I, That's what's bothering he, me. He left us. He left us mm. because he thought he, he needed the Big Ten. He needed more resource. He needed Wisconsin stuff. He had it all here. He had everything he needed to be a legend here, and he didn't see it. So I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm out on Luke Fickle. I'm appreciative of what he did, but I'm rooting for him to not succeed because he was succeeding here. If he succeeded here and he can't succeed at Wisconsin, what's that say about the University of Cincinnati's position in the University of Cincinnati's program versus him and elsewhere? Everybody it means we have a good program. Nobody's doubting that. Place to be for coaches. Nobody's doubting that. D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, Always Luke Pickle, now Scott Satterfield. There's Dan a track Antonio record left. of achieving great success at this football program. My problem Dan is Antonio left. Everyone has Kelly decided to live left. in this fantasy Bush. world left. as if there's any Fickle. sort of realistic left. probability of Luke Fickle staying at one school for his entire fucking career. Everyone knows and everyone knew that would never happen. Years before he took the Wisconsin job, literally years there were conversations happening pretty much on every single Bearcat podcast being speculated in articles that, hey, when you achieve a certain level of success at Cincinnati, bigger dogs, bigger fish come calling, and you're likely to leave. And if all if if Luke Fickle's anything like every other, you know, piranha in the college football coaching landscape, he's well, he going to fail. Hold different. on a second. He, he would fail. himself as different. He was different, is my point. He stayed he the wasn't. extra year. He left. If he was he the left. same, he would have left during the college football playoff. And if he was the accounts, same, he, he would have left was at that moment and struck while the iron was hottest. He did not. He did not strike while the iron was hottest. He waited another year, and then he took a bigger job. And I get it. I'm, it's kind of picking nits, but it is different. And it's certainly a lot different than Brian Kelly. And to lump them together is ridiculous. And it's also causing our fan base to, to, to become psychotic, frankly. Like, I saw tweets. Good. We should be psychotic. I saw tweets. Because every oh, other sorry. major fan base is psychotic. I saw exes <laughs> during the Pittsburgh game saying, as bad as Luke Fickle was here at UC, he never bullied anyone like this. That was someone talking about the <laughs> winning 27-21 against Pittsburgh. I did see that. Another person said, I don't remember having this much fun watching UC football ever. It, look, I'm not we saying that Luke Fickle. We won football playoff two years ago. Let me be clear. I'm not saying Luke Fickle was a bad football coach here. I'm not saying Brian Kelly was a bad football coach here. They were great football coaches here at the University of Cincinnati. They were fantastic coaches. Like, right? They, they were good. We were good. I'm not saying that. I'm not doubting any of the accomplishments that he did here. I'm just upset that for people who like challenges, who who have that competitive drive, that you want to go and do it elsewhere. Because if the money was the issue, Satterfield just got the top 10 you know, in college football pool for coaching assistance, getting hired. The money is here for us. Cincinnati has money. We're paying coaches. We're paying. Right. We're playing. We're let's soon say, to start playing let's players. Let's say Scott Satterfield is, is here for five years, and let's say he wins two Big Twelve championships. His teams are. He's got and one of the best to offensive Oklahoma teams. The no, just let me finish. He's got one of the best offensive teams in the country. He's one of the hottest coaching names out there. 
Is he staying? Is Why he wouldn't staying? he? Why wouldn't he? Okay. That's my question. Why wouldn't he? Where? Why? Why leave? You're doing it here. Okay. You're doing what you're doing. Why would you leave? Let's say a. Uh, so let's say someone. So let's, go, all right. So, so Scott Satterfield is Southern, right? He's from North Carolina. Let's say it's um, a school like Clemson, or who's now in the SEC. Let's say it's a school like Georgia. Let's say it's a school like Alabama. Let's say it's a school like Louisiana State. Let's say it's Florida. Is he passing on those job opportunities? Why are you taking it? That's my question. He's going to you're get doing, paid. He's going to get paid more money annually. He's going to have bigger sure boosters. That? He's going to have. Um, a, I mean, those, he's, those schools. Everything you're, he's he's accomplishing everything that you need to here. He's winning Big Twelve championships. He's making the college football playoff. He's making runs for championships. Then, if that's happening. Those so schools you, you play the that. game in a different way than you see. The same reason that we wouldn't pursue a coaching candidate like Deion Sanders is the exact reason that a coach like Scott Satterfield would eventually take a job in the SEC. All I'm saying Ooh. is we You know what? No, mic drop, mic drop, mic drop. That's that you you leave on that one. You see that at a different level when we're not going after candidates like Deion Sanders. You said you wanted to talk about UC hoops. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. You got about seven minutes left. What UC hoops do you want to talk about? Mick, Mick Cronin. <laughs> Mick Cronin. Oh wait, 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 wait. Just I said, I said I had two more grapes. I said I had two grapes about your list. Let me say one more grape. We've already talked about Cronin. Where are going to go back? Where, to Cronin. You're missing. You're missing a coach on your list. John Brandon. Yes. Where is John Brandon? Is he have a, his own tier? He has his own tier. Dead to me. <laughs> All right. With 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 Jaron Cumberland's stat sheet, he's dead to me. <laughs> Shotgun that last beer and let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, but no, with the basketball, I wanted to talk about uh, the, the latest addition to the recruiting class for Wes Miller. Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared it's going to go everywhere. This rendition of Cheers Cincinnati's for... Joe Barnett, who was very concerned about my performance on the last rendition. Was he? He just said, he's like, I, you know, I, I think I know you decently well. And the, the tone with which you sang that fight song was concerning to me. Cheers Cincinnati, Cincy will win. Fight till the finish, never give in. You do your best, boys. We'll do the rest, boys. Onward to victory. <sighs> nice job. Go for it, guys.